Hey guys, what's up? Thanks for listening to another episode of my podcast, as always. Um, something really embarrassing happened to me <laughs> uh, yesterday. Um, I fell down the stairs. I literally fully, as an adult, fell down a flight of stairs. It was only half of my staircase, um, but it was chaotic. And I'm not sure if anybody else has fallen down the stairs, but it feels like it lasts four hours. I, I Like literally I'm like, there were three times while I was falling that I was like, okay, it's over now. Okay, now it has to be done. And then I was like, how is this still going? And then I got to the bottom and um, I, I was carrying my dog because what happened is my dog ran up the stairs and then I picked him up to bring him back down. And then I missed the first step. And I think I missed the first step because I got new socks from Amazon and they were like really slippery. And I was like, I can't believe that I not only need a life alert, but I also need one of those socks that you give to babies that have grips at the bottom or to uh, somebody psychotic that goes to a trampoline lounge as an adult. So I either need, um, I need help. I don't know, but I, I fell downstairs as an adult and it's just embarrassing. I ate it. My ass feels like it's broken in half. My arm hurts. I somehow scratched my armpit. So like underneath my armpit is like very bruised and red and I have to kind of like walk with my arm halfway up because if I put it down, it just starts stinging. Anyway, very long story, but um, also my dog is okay. My dog is totally safe. Um, he's so cute. This poor dog is 15 years old. He didn't deserve this to happen to him, but like he ran up the stairs. I picked him up and like, I missed the first step and I fell and my arms just like just went flying in the air and my poor dog got like released and he started falling down the stairs simultaneously uh, with me. Like his legs were just like sprawled out and he's just like slowly going down, but he was able to stop himself. So like he fell down like maybe only a few stairs. And then as I was falling down, I was trying to like stop him from falling down. And then at one point we were both falling down the stairs simultaneously. And my dog was falling down the stairs, but between my legs. So like my legs were like spread out and and I'm falling and my dog is falling underneath me with his legs. It was just really intense. It was a really intense day. Um, also this week, something else really embarrassing happened to me. So I kept getting, I kept getting charged on my credit card and I, I wasn't sure why Apple was like giving me random charges. It didn't say where it was coming from. And I thought I had unsubscribed to like everything. Um, but I was like, okay, I know that there's a few apps that I pay for, but this is not, this is not it. Cause this is like a ridiculous amount of money for stuff. Like I, I pay for like a meditation app, which like, of course, and, um, I call Apple tech support and I'm just kind of like furious. Cause I'm like, oh, here we go. Another example, like Amp Apple is scamming us and we don't know, like I was really, um, preparing to like fight with somebody over the phone. So anyway, I was like, hi, I keep getting charged uh, this amount. I'm not really sure where it's coming from. Like, can you please investigate? I'm unsubscribed to like everything. 
And uh, they were like, are you sure you're unsubscribed to everything? And I was like, yes, but I also don't know how to use technology. So I was like, there's really no way for me to double check. Like, would you be able to help me double check? And they were like, yeah, okay. They were like, just give us your information and like, blah, blah, blah. And then like, they went into a computer and read out to me some of the things I was still subscribed to and I had no idea. So it turns out I was paying for a meditation app, a guitar lesson app (laughs) called like rock and roll champion, like something so lame. and. Uh, I was subscribed to Bumble, um, which first of all, I don't pay for dating apps. Let me get that out there into the universe. I paid for it for like a day because um, I accidentally swiped no on my ex and I wanted to get his profile back and then I paid for it and then I forgot to get rid of it. We didn't end up matching, so don't worry, but my toxic behavior got in the way of Uh, you know, my financial situation a little bit. Anyway, I forgot to unsubscribe to this goddamn app that's still haunting me. And like, of course, somebody who's subscribed to like a meditation app, a guitar app is also subscribed to Bumble. Like I should have just known just by proxy. Like those are the big three. You're subscribed to meditation, some sort of uh, hobby that you're taking up and then a dating app. That's like, that is the Mecca of loneliness right there for sure. Um, anywho, I am so excited to introduce this guest. She's my first guest that's not a comedian. So this is very exciting. I would love to have on more guests that are not comedians because it's just such a breath of fresh air. I mean, we did talk about comedy, but it it really is a breath of fresh air to talk to somebody who isn't a comedian, even though, you know, I love them and everything. It's just, it's nice to, to get other voices on the podcast as well. Um, I had Marty Young on the podcast, guys. She's a Toronto-based arts and culture writer with a passion for all things comedy. She started the blog Young Modern Laughs in 2015 to document the Toronto comedy scene and now contributes regularly to the CBC, among other publications. Um, if that's not enough of an intro, she's also so nice and so funny. And, um, I just loved editing this episode and listening back to it. And, um, I'm sure you guys are going to enjoy it just as much. So have a listen. Um, don't forget to review and give five stars to my podcast on Apple podcasts, because it helps with ratings, obviously, and getting more people to listen. Um, and yeah, enjoy. And then I was like, uh, I'd like to do like more of a really good interview. I'm feeling in that in that headspace to like have a really good chat. And I really liked your like some of your other episodes, and it just it just felt right. Oh, thank obviously you so much. it was meant to be. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. Thank you so much for saying that. That means a lot. I um, yeah. I was just gonna say my room is not. I was. I did uh, Todd Allen's show, and somebody. <laughs> roasted my two paintings up at the top that I made okay and I shouldn't be hanging them that's mental health issues I feel like at its prime when you're like painting and hanging your own things that are like I'm not a painter uh and they were just like what kind of sad garage sale did you get those from and I was like I'm destroyed because of that I'm never showing this room ever again whoever said that is so mean now, so now did they have a zoom background on was it a comedian because you know that they just had like 
you know, beer posters and, and failed dreams on their wall. Yeah, I was like, this person definitely sleeps on a mattress on the floor and is just trying to come for me right now. <laughs> okay, I, in, in that vein, um, so I've been hanging out with uh, Tom O'Donnell, like me and a few uh, people, like we'll go over to his friend's house and play like his knockoff version of Cards Against Humanity. And every time he has a few drinks, he always tells me like, when I first met you, I thought you were like special ed or I thought you were touched by the angels or I thought all this stuff. And I'm always like, Tom, you're, you're the one who can't remember saying this. So what are, where are we really at here? <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. That's wild. It, that's, uh, that's so fun. That actually reminds me of like, um, I actually stopped seeing my therapist uh, recently because I'm not sure if you heard me talk about this on the other episodes, but I, I recently stopped seeing my therapist because he has a flip phone. And I was yeah. like, I feel like in terms of mental health, that's just like the blind leading the blind at that point. Like I don't yeah. think we're both clearly not in a good place. Oh my gosh. I don't think, yeah, I couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. My therapist having a flip phone, my therapist yeah. has chickens. And even at that, I'm like, you know, <laughs> I had to feel that out when she told me that she had chickens as a form of self-care now it's pretty wealthy to have chickens but then also I was like um I had to feel it out I had to make sure that that uh, that was that was that was cool <laughs> that's so funny how did you feel it out like what was the thing that you're like okay it's, she's a sane person with chickens um, I had to decipher whether the chickens, uh, what was the pet food thing? Got you. Like whether, how, how, how much of it was pet kind of like tending to like how much of it was like urban farming and how much of it was, this is so the chickens don't have names. Uh, and it's more of a, like, we have a bylaw that you can have chickens. It, it, it was when I, when she said that it was more about the freshness of the eggs that that's what the chickens brought into her life instead of having an unconventional pet. How do you feel about unconventional pets? Uh, how do I feel about unconventional pets? Well, I if it's like not a dog or a cat, I'm immediately raising questions. Um, snakes, I've, I'm not really, like I'll be friends with somebody that has a snake, but I'll never own a snake or like a bearded dragon. Like those have yeah. been very comforting uh, animals to me. No. or reptiles rather uh, no. yeah so I am just gonna stick to like cat dog I had a lot of animals in my, I actually had a hamster and uh it's kind of a morbid story but when I was in grade one uh, I had like one of my best friends came over she pet the hamster and like unintentionally killed it she like suffocated it was she was like squeezing it so hard that it died in her hands and my parents had to replace it without me knowing and then I came home one day and I went to go like pick up the hamsters. It takes you a long time, like for these hamsters to like get to know you. And I like picked it up and it bit my finger. It was very traumatic. And then they revealed to me, they're like, this is actually isn't your real hamster. They're like, we don't want to give you trust issues, but we replaced it without you knowing. So, so she just went to your parents and was like, oh my God, you know, what was the hamster's name? Uh, <laughs> Hammy. Its name was Hammy. <laughs> very creative. Um, yeah. Uh, like so she just went and she's like oh my god did something wrong with Hammy and then they replaced him like without you knowing yeah oh man that's wild I always think like um I have a I have a tabby cat yeah nice and 
I'm, I'm like, that would be, it would be kind of, it would be easy on the easier scale to just replace the tabby cat with, uh, <laughs> like, just switch it out. Um, and uh, I think, yeah, most pets I'm okay with. Uh, I find, like, uh, ferrets really stink. Ferrets stink. Well, I've never gotten close enough to a ferret to smell it. So that's really interesting. Um, I think that if I start to really lose it, I'll, I'll get a chinchilla. Okay. And that chinchilla will be living large. <laughs> I would love, what a great life for that chinchilla. Where do you even go to acquire one? Like, will they, is that like a. I've come close a couple of times. You know what I mean? It, I've come close when I needed comfort and stuff. Like I've gone, I've almost gotten to buying a chinchilla. What is your um, comforting thing? Like what I like to do is uh, go onto Pinterest. I don't know if everybody else has that thing, but like whenever I feel really stressed out or like overwhelmed with something, I like immediately go on Pinterest. It's like my safe space. And I have like a fake account and everything. Nobody can find me totally. Like, it's just the most embarrassing shit I've ever, like if, it, if I die and somebody finds my Pinterest, they'll be like, okay, now I see what her problem was this whole time. It's just so many inspirational quotes, like things in candlelight and twinkle light and like, oh man, topless men on horses. Like it's just the corniest, bizarre shit. Oh, so, that, like, so it's like very like, uh, what's the aesthetic? Or what's the, what's, what are some of the aesthetics you really like on? on I wish that I had a single aesthetic, but it's really all over the place. I like, um, like there's some, I'm like old churches. I'm like, wow, that's so inspiring. I'm like the Paris fat. I'm right now I'm trying to do like this whole Paris thing. I don't know if you've ever noticed my bangs. If I, if I don't talk about them enough, that's not like this, like sixties French music is, is it. I love going for a drive in the summer, listening to like, I'll make you a playlist, the 60s French music. Please. It's so, it's so common. It's oh so common, God. but it still has attitude to it. Okay, that's what we're talking about. That's what we like. Yeah. 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 Okay. I think, and then uh, there's a bit like just the style of it that is like kind of okay with being shabby and worn, but also, you know, the French, like we teach kids how to eat cheese in school and it's a topic, you know? Oh. We're, we're yeah. all right with being a little bit um you know I dig that yeah I've been trying to think like this is gonna sound so um I don't know how this is gonna sound probably superficial but like I've been (laughs) trying to develop some sort of style that is like a staple to my personality like either I love your Christmas outfit with your brother that that red skirt black top I love a like I love that was a good look a red, a red and black. I mean, I, I should have done like a black and gray. Red and black is a little bit, I feel like been there, done that. A little bit early 2000s, but I'm trying to really find an aesthetic. And there's like, I mean, like you're somebody who I feel like has an aesthetic. Like I love your sense of style. I think it's so cool and fun. And I just want to have more fun with like the way that I dress. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I definitely, I definitely know what you mean. My aesthetic comes from I think the fact that I um since the seventh grade I uh wore a uniform Mm. um and so it was kind of always this idea and that's kind of carried over to my sense of style now where I'll have a uniform of my like tight black pants and a black shirt 
Mm -hmm. um, and then when I have other, so it was always like, you know, the uniform during the week. Um, and then, and then like being whatever you wanted to be on the weekends, you know? And then of course, like later, um, punk rock and ska came into my life and, and that, that always has like an influence on me aesthetic, but always like, I think, um, I think having a uniform, but then also this idea of being of like a uniform is like, like care a little bit, you know what I mean? Like yeah. make sure that your, um, clothes are like that you just make sure that you're clean and that you're like ready to go and that you can, um, like when I went to public school, I got pajama band pants banned at my school because I thought I saw such a huge correlation between people showing up in pajama pants yeah. and them being really lackadaisical about their approach to school. My aesthetic right now, is, I'm really into... I'm kind of moving away from uh, vintage stuff, like less vintage pieces. I love Fashion Nova. Um, that's a really cool app. Uh, I never that's buy- really intimidates me. I get so intimidated. Like whenever I see pleather, this is gonna sound, wild. my mom loves shopping at like Urban Planet. Like she's an Urban Planet fiend. And like, I love Urban Planet too, but I can't really- get too much into their stuff like I don't like the way that pleather looks on me even though like I want to do I want to be that I want to be a pleather gal um I just I, and Fashion Nova kind of intimidates me because it's kind of similar to that but like I would love to wear something that's like cut a bit different I don't know um what's your favorite like what's your favorite look that you've had in the past year we're gonna do a little exercise. Would you, this oh is how I decided. Okay, this is stressful. I mean, favorite look, like on stage or like off, like just generally. Yeah, just like some of your favorite pieces. Okay, so I my favorite pair of pants that I've ever bought, I just bought recently, and they're like wide legged. They're jeans that I got from Zara, and they're just like a light blue, and it's like straight leg, kind of like baggy at the bottom, high waisted. And they're like cut on the knees. And I never, I've always worn skinny jeans my whole life, but they're so flattering and fun and like casual, but you can like dress them up. So like yeah. pieces that you can like dress down and dress up if you layer it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, I love incorporating a little bit of sense of humor into my fashion. Like, I remember I, I was really, I didn't know what to wear one year to Just for Laughs. And I thought about my favorite look from that year. And it was something I'd worn to Sketchfest. Um, and, and I was like, oh, I like being, I like having my clothes be a little bit funny. Mm. You know what I mean? I like them, I, I like, um, I like them to be a little bit quirky. Like, it, I think, um, I watched The Nanny a lot when I was a kid. Okay. And uh, that that really influenced. I think every, I just remember watching that show and, be, and wanting to dress like Fran Drescher, but then also like wanting to be that kind of really friendly, you know, like always overly friendly in people's faces. Like never mind about your uh, high society type, type person. I love that. Do you believe in astrology? Yeah. What's your... 
Big three. Um, I'm an Aries Capricorn, Aries, um, rising Capricorn and Gemini. Gemini moon? Yeah. That's cool. That makes sense. I was just going to say, cause I, uh, <laughs> I thought about as I asked you that question, I was like, oh, there goes my male listeners. I was like, I don't have any male listeners. This is, <laughs> am I crazy? Um, I love that. That's so funny. Anyway, it just kind of. Oh, what are you? I, I, I know everybody's Zodiac sign that I talk, like there is not one person in my life who I like, don't know their Zodiac signs. I know every, I know my manager's Zodiac signs. I know it's my favorite thing to like research and like, yeah, what's yours. So, uh, I'm a Gemini sun, a moon in Virgo and then rising in Sagittarius, which like only comes out at nightclubs. I'm not, I don't have like a fiery personality, but when I am in a nightclub situation, things get a bit scary. (laughs) um i can definitely see that like um the the capricorn comes out in like my ambition definitely yeah Um, capricorn placement yeah um so i guess that kind of leads me into like my first question which like i feel like i don't I always get so like weirded out whenever I like ask people questions because like oh yeah this is a podcast where like you are supposed to ask questions and like (laughs) but I'm always like my CP24 I don't know I don't know (laughs) um but I just wanted to bring up so so you mentioned CP24 because hopefully we're spreading a little bit more good news and light than CP24 I gotta say I am just so so happy just as like a time stamp of like current events going on with this episode um it is being recorded i'm just so so grateful that um i'm so thankful that jeffrey star came out of that accident um what jeffrey star was in a car accident like uh last night and i'm so i honestly i probably would have canceled this uh this podcast recording if i if he had if he had heaven forbid like died in that he's just such a, I don't know, he's just such a con, been a constant in pop culture for such formative years. And he's just such a trailblazer. Yeah. Uh, and even though it's a podcast, I'm wearing Jeffree Star weirdo makeup and, and um, uh, spiraling eyeshadow. But yeah. that was so really, I'm- really scary. And I hope that he just like chills out. And it's because he didn't know how to drive in the winter. Is that really how- what he was driving on like an icy road? Yeah, he hit black ice and his car flipped three times. Oh, man. Oh, that's wild. Yeah. Oh, he's okay. I love his videos. I love everything about, I love it, literally everything about Jeffree Star. He's so cool. He is just like so ahead of his time. I really, as, as an arts and culture reviewer, I really take a lot of cues from how he, um, how he reviews makeup. Mm. Because he's always so fair about even brands that he personally adores. He's always so fair when he reviews products and it, and the reputation speaks for itself. And I'm just really, um, I'm just glad he's all right. And I, uh, <laughs> I wanted to take us down that, just put a little timestamp on that. Wow. And so, so you mentioned something really interesting. He's somebody that you get inspiration from. Are there other people that you get inspiration from for your work or is it something that you kind of go based on intuition and? Well, I try not to read other, um, like I've always taken my cues um, in reviewing comedy 
from from fashion bloggers and food bloggers and uh, and not so much the traditional arts and culture model that's concentrated on picking apart everything that is like uh I never wanted to be someone that was overly concentrated on on the flaws of of anything I saw. Mm. Um, I wanted I'm I like those mediums of reviewing things because it's always about the new now next. If I see a, a comedy show and like every part of it is you know not noteworthy, then I'm not I'm not going to write about it. It's always I try to keep things um, commemorate, commemorating what's good. Um, and, and then I, I find that when I do pay attention to something that is bad, it's, I always govern it by, is it kind? Is it necessary? Is it true? Mm. And I don't put anything, I won't put my name on anything that's not kind, necessary or true because there's too much, there's too much negativity, especially in comedy, um, uh, like about ripping, ripping people down. I don't ever want to. I, and I think ultimately that creates longevity. Yeah, that's, um, that's really, that's excellent. I, I mean, I, I love hearing that as a comedian because I think that, um, I think there's a really necessary role that uh, you play in the moving forward of people's careers and like helping, uh, you know, create buzz about new voices and things that are happening that are really exciting. And that's so valuable in a way that isn't putting them down, but like you said, is actually adding something very positive to the community. Yeah, there's, I always challenge myself to like, what, what is, um, what is the good thing that, I know it sounds kind of, but like, what's the contemporary angle I can take on this, you know? Yeah. Um, do, you feel, do you feel like you have that responsibility or does it feel like it's just coming from a place of like, hey, like I really adore this community and I want to help, uh, you know, bring more awareness to the amazing things that are happening within it or, or I, yeah. I really do think that it's an art. And um, I remember I said this to the editor of Complex um, when I was pitching something. And uh, I said, I was like, we have a responsibility to speak about comedy like the art that it is. Mm -hmm. So that ultimately, I mean, ultimately it would be great. It, it should be acknowledged as an art under the granting system. But we have a responsibility to speak about it like the art form that it is. And it gets overlooked because, um, because it makes people laugh, you know? It's the same reason they don't have a, an Oscar for comedy or why a an Oscar to win an Oscar for comedy is like such more a big feat because, because it makes us feel good and it's like um, it, people don't think of it as the, the very, very difficult art, art form that it is. So I've always approached my work about talking about it at, like the art form that it is. And I've been, I was really so pleased when I see that, um, when, when I see it from other places. Yeah. But I think all media has a responsibility uh, to do that. Right. That is so, oh my God, that, that's so perfectly said. And that kind of makes my heart warm because I, I, you said it perfectly in that people don't take it as seriously because it's something that is light and makes you laugh. That is the perfect way to like sum, sum that up. And I was actually talking to somebody else about this the other day. Like, I don't, I don't like when I hear comedians say that, like, 
anybody can do comedy and like comedy is stupid who cares like anybody could do it it's like it's not something that everybody could do though like I, I don't know why you're saying that like as someone who and I've heard that come from people that are so accomplished and like are amazing at what they do and it's like how how I don't I anything that you say especially if it's like written or like put on a podcast somebody's gonna hear it and you're putting that energy out into the world yeah. I don't I don't believe that that's true I do believe that comedy is a, a very sacred practice that not a lot of people can do I think oh. actors think that they can do it because they I don't know well, yeah you can you see that you see how it, if anybody can do comedy, we've all, you know, seen people pass through our art form that are, um, you know, and more power to them. They're trying to do a lot of different things and comedy is just another thing that they take into their roster. Yeah. You know, um, and those people, it, it shows when it's your true vocation. Yeah. Especially stand-up. Stand-up is an art form. Uh, and when you see people who try to think that they're, that they're, um, you know, their accomplishments as an actor or their accomplishments uh, in another art form will like immediately translate into a, a place in stand-up. It's like, no, it's hard one like anything else. Yeah, totally. 100%. Like when you go on stage, you're going to battle. Like it very much feels like a life or death situation it's it's yeah. something that needs to be practiced you need to like learn the rules um 100 i don't do you think that well i mean i don't think comedy can be taught necessarily i don't know if you can i think you can teach somebody who has natural instincts towards it how to get better but that's only through like doing it like you can't actually teach somebody how to do that i i entirely agree with you i think that it's a talent so like a lot of people, yeah, I, I think that comedy um, and success, especially in stand-up, comes from having that uh, talent and then a discipline to hone that talent. That's 100%. The, the discipline part of it is so yeah. crucial. And you can't be precious about your work. You can't be, and, and I'm somebody who is, I'm a little bit cutthroat when it comes to like comedy like I, I don't like um hearing people talk about it at, like as if like they like and not having discipline about it it's like listen you're talented I love you this is amazing but like you have you have to be disciplined like I don't know yeah. what to tell you yeah um uh, yeah. I'm not I, yeah I remember there was this one uh time where I lost a friend I basically lost a friend because they lost to um they lost a comedy competition not not a top comic. It was a different one. It was a smaller one. Um, and I told them they they were upset about it. And I told them I told them I said the person who deserved to win is better than you. They work harder at it. They write jokes. They're at mics all the time, and they are better than you mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and uh, I. I always like kind of keep that as like a, it was one of these moments where I got I was like okay I guess I guess this is um this is the comment the comedian life you know that is true yeah. um because I I still stand by that yeah you have to separate yourself from that like I very much like 
think about comedy as a job. Like I don't think of it as a social opportunity. You make friends along the way. Some of the best friends that I'll have for the rest of my life. But at the end of the day, it's like, I'm on a show. I'm not here to have a social opportunity. I'm here to like really try jokes and concentrate and get it done. And then afterwards we can like hang out and chill and everything. Yeah. It's a combination of the both. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, I really resonate with what you're saying. And the, the idea that I don't like is people when they, they glamorize, glamorize this idea that if I'm screwed up, then I'm somehow closer to Lenny Bruce or I'm somehow mm-hmm. closer to the greats. It's like, well, learn to write a joke first and, and then maybe, you know, hold your problems close. But I don't like this idea of when people are like, oh, I, if I take care of my mental health, I'm not funny. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I think that if, if anything, once you are brave enough to kind of get to a place where everything maybe isn't a joke, you can come out of that with some, some deep, really philosophical uh, humor. Yeah, totally. I mean, I can only, I only know how to write when I'm in a, a good headspace. Like I, nothing productive comes out of me if I'm having a really bad day or like that was such a beautiful piece you wrote for the the comedy tribune oh thank you thank you yeah uh (laughs) yeah honestly thank you for saying that because that was really hard I'm not gonna lie to you I was literally like at one point I was like listen why am I writing this like I'm putting out so much information about myself that like I am not ready to share but I feel like uh it's such a I I and I'm I'm like working on a pilot about this now but like I just want to kind of demystify the whole thing about OCD while it's at least at the forefront of like since mental health is really making its way to like our it has to. In North America. the most challenging whatever anybody's thing was by June of last year it was set off really bad yeah yeah totally Unless you were really like a very strong, a, a strong person. That's what I feel like. And, and like, it needs to happen. And I'm glad you're writing a pilot about it. Yeah. Yeah. I like having conversations about it. Uh, Cause OCD is uh, it's a very, it's a really tricky mental illness. And uh, part of my anxiety came from never hearing about it. I had never heard about it in this aspect. I had never seen it on TV. I had never heard anybody talk about it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, people need to not see it. it. It's so important to have neuroatypicalness represented in the way that it, it that you have your own unique story to tell about how it manifests in your own life, you know? Do you think that uh, comedy and music or just the arts in general, do you think that that is something that is reactive to social norms or do you think it's something that starts new ones? Um, I think that the most genuine stories are when people come to a place of being able to be frank about the story that only they can tell. Mm, Yeah. And it's about a moment where that collides with what the trends, the, the, the trends of the, of the, like, I, I would say it's like seasons, you know, I always say that like, kind of comedy will move in trends the way that like 
fashion moves in trends. I, I know I used that analogy before, but it really does. You know what I mean? There'll be a certain kind of joke. There'll be a certain kind of candor that will come in and then it'll, uh, but with comedy, what I like is, is how there's always space for people to take it, remix it, turn it a different way. Like the way that sketch so heavily influenced like TikTok and character comedy right now at a time when sketch comedy can't really exist. Yeah, right. What do you think about TikTok entertainers? Do you um, think that it's uh, legit? I mean, I know that there are some people on TikTok, like somebody I went to Humber with, Nima Nazari, who's doing phenomenally well and he's so funny and, and he's having all of the success, but there are some people who just like do voiceovers of like other comedians work and just make money from it on TikTok somehow. It's like, you just learned how to do a party trick. Meanwhile, there's people that are actually putting in the effort with their talent and you're just, I don't know, doing your own thing with it. I don't know. Yeah, um, I feel like Nima, it's definitely his medium. It's definitely his medium. Uh, and there's other people who like, it's a very valid medium. Me personally, I would always uh, see, I would like to see, I kind of like longer content than that. Yeah. You know, there's sometimes where TikTok ends up hurting my, my brain because it just is so short. There's nothing that's a beginning, middle, end. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's so fast. Um, I, uh, I miss standup and you can't have standup on TikTok. Yeah. You can't have standup on TikTok for sure. I mean, you can, uh, comedians post clips and stuff, but uh, yeah, obviously that's a, I think standup is, um, really unique in that it's a, it's truly just like a live experience. Like you can't, I can't just do standup jokes to a camera. Yeah. I really, Zoom comedy is, I, I don't fault anybody for doing Zoom comedy and, and do whatever you need to keep your skills sharp, but I really miss um, just being able to go to a comedy club and, um, have all of the different perspectives on whatever happened that week synthesized. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And synthesized in longer minutes than, you know, yeah. um, I think that, uh, so, I mean, if TikTok is your medium, more power to you, but, um, I, it's going to be interesting to see how it progresses as a social media. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it's true. Okay, so I just kind of wanted to. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna change subjects real quick, just because yeah, I, do it. I don't want us to, you know, run out of time, and then I have a bunch of things that I want to ask you. But so you sent me a message being like, I want to talk about boundaries and prioritizing mental health, and I love those two topics so much. Um, I pretty much talk about them almost every episode. So what what areas of your life um, are you really good at setting boundaries in? One. Um example that comes to mind was like pretty recently mm -hmm. I had an estranged family member reach out to me the last time uh, I wrote something for the CBC okay so I had this this family member was completely um in like pretty much estranged from me uh not like a strained relationship like I had I had met them once as a as a child 
Oh. Uh, and, and not my father. I love my dad. My dad's great. He's upstairs right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, and uh, I had to set, this person was an, uh, an aunt of mine. Okay. And um, I had to have the conversation. I had to basically tell them like, no, I don't, I, I don't want to open the, the door to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what people don't tell you about like setting boundaries is so, so vital. And it's been a cornerstone of, uh, you know, OCD is like something that you contend with mental health wise. Mine is, is, uh, like I've had problems with anger mm-hmm. and I feel like it, it'll manifest it, like people either get angry or they get sad or they get a combination of both, but, uh, it, they're all protective kind of like coding emotions, you know, like here, come be angry about this. So then you don't have to feel how you actually feel, you know, are you hurt? Are you sad? Are you disappointed? Like what's, what's actually going on? So, but just said an overwhelm and boundaries. It's like, that's, uh, that, um, they set you free. They are difficult to, uh, there it's, it's in therapy when they are explained to you. Um, they are such a nice, good solution, but in implementing them, it's, it's incredibly like, it's, it, it aches, it aches because it's something that ultimately is good for you. You know that it's good for you, but um, it, it is a huge change and people don't like when you enforce them because they're content to violate them. Right. And when you have somebody violate them, you know why they're there in the first place. There you go. Um, that it makes, that is so true. And, and the thing that you said about boundaries being, uh, you know, somebody that comes from perhaps a place of like, I mean, I know people who uh, are in situations where, you know, they have a hard time setting boundaries with their friends or like their family uh, and they're being at the too much is being asked of them and they're kind of running themselves, you know, physically to the point of exhaustion or mentally to the point of exhaustion. Um, then when you put up that boundary, you immediately get backlash. And that's how you know that that boundary should have been there, like from day one. And that this yeah. person is now just angry that you've caught on to them, whether they know it or not, you're going to get um, bounced back from them. Yeah. And sometimes the, the um, I've learned to anticipate that. Like I've had situations where I told someone I wasn't going to drive them. Uh, I wasn't going to drive to pick them up that we had to meet halfway. And it ended up being the uh, kind of the, the thing that started to slowly erode our, our relationship. Mm. And I would have never anticipated that from a boundary that I needed to set. Right. That's so interesting. And uh, when you put up boundaries, and sometimes you don't realize the results are not instantaneous, but you kind of get energy all of a sudden. And you're like, wow, like having a boundary with, you know, this is something that I, I really need space for and having this boundary with this person in my life or with a group of people in my life um, actually just inherently gives you more energy because now you feel uh, more mentally at peace or like free. Also clearing space you can't have new things come into your life if you don't let have space for them right 
Yeah. So, so not confusing. Uh, I've, I found this especially with, um, with uh, men and uh, like over lockdown, it's, it's almost a cliche of like people reaching out to you and checking in to see how you are and stuff like that when it's just about comfort for them, you know? Um, and, and it's like, don't compute, don't confuse the peace that you deserve with boredom. Yeah. And that if somebody is really not, um, if you've, if you've tried and you've tried and things are still not working, then it has nothing to do with you and it's not going to change. Yeah. And you're with, you deserve that peace and you deserve that those boundaries but that's what I'm always shocked about is, is, is that when you enforce them it's not it's not the happy conversation it's never been for me at least where people are like yeah I'm glad we talked about this I'm gonna change and everything is good it's like you have to assert them yeah. and uh and they there could be times where people come back in and will not will not uh will just because they enjoy the, the imbalance yeah <laughs> yeah it's true um, it's okay to block it's okay to block and delete and preserve your peace that's why those buttons are there yeah totally that's really hard to do though um one boundary that i didn't even realize i wanted to set and it seems kind of small but i feel like it's really important is like if i'm either on a date or like meeting somebody for the first time or like let's say i'm at I'm somewhere where there's people that I don't, you know, converse with all of the time. Yeah. If, if I'm like talking to somebody and they start going on their phone, I'm getting up and I'm fully walking away. I don't have the patience for it. I used, I used to just sit there and be like, okay, well, I guess they're just not interested in what I'm saying or whatever. And it's like, no, like it's just basic manners at this point. And like, if I, if I see a phone out or like I see that people are disengaged uh, yeah. then I'm I'm literally just gonna get up and leave and like on a, on a date or yeah like on a date especially yeah on a date especially there was a there's a thing going around on the internet um and it's like somebody who has is on a date and like has their phone face down it means they're like hiding something they don't want you to see their text messages I was like that's so ridiculous <laughs> somebody has their phone down on a date they're just being polite. They don't want their notifications to like ruin yeah. your thing. But also I'm like, the phone should never be on the table. Like, I don't even want to see it in any way, shape or form. No, no. And give, me, not, give me a half hour of your time. Let's yeah, see. it's not even too much. And the thing is like getting momentum conversationally and like trying to see if there's chemistry on, on a date is something that is like, sometimes takes momentum and then if you take out your phone and take a phone call even if it's necessary and from work it is just a pain in the ass it just kind of breaks that momentum and it does kind of sour the situation and I'm just like yeah you know what I don't it's hard yeah yeah, yeah it's really um and it, it's just like if the chemistry is not there then um it's not there yeah you know um yeah. And uh, I watched this, um, I love it. Have you ever heard of Ghosted? No. Okay, it's this thing they do on 99.9 uh, .9 Virgin Radio and they do it in the mornings. Okay. And I am, I, I live for this show. It is, because it, it is the exact opposite of TikTok. It has a beginning, middle, and end. And what <laughs> okay. they do 
is they have people call into the show who have been ghosted. No. And they call into the show. Now, first of all, that's already bonkers. That's already. Okay, so it's like, I generally think that it's three kinds of people that call into this show. Because you have to understand that they've, uh, they're like, this person doesn't want to talk to me. Maybe I'm, uh, maybe if I get a radio show to call them, then they'll want to talk to me. So I, I think that it's people who are legitimately confused, you know, that are giving into that jilted, rejected feeling that are like legitimately um, not emotionally strong enough to tap the brakes. There's people who are vengeful, who are like, you ghosted me. I'm going to find out what's going on. And then there's this other part that they've watched too many Lifetime movies. And they are like, they are like, it's romantic. I like you so much. I'm going to have a radio show call you. And they do it in the morning. And they get these people to call in. And they, you hear like the, um, the story. And then the person ghosts them every time. And then the radio show calls these people up and finds out why they ghosted them. And it is absolutely hilarious. Like it is so, it's hilarious, it's poignant. It makes you think about um, all of the ins and outs of how sticky contemporary dating is. And, um, and one thing that it does is it makes you realize that anybody's reason for not talking to you or for, you know, for getting ghosted or for that connection to die is just as valid as any other reason. Yeah, 100%. It's like the bottom line is that they ghosted you and it doesn't matter what the reason was, they yeah. ghosted you. That's- yeah, and it doesn't make people feel any better. Yeah. And it doesn't... Um, and that's in I started watching it and then after I after a while and first of all they sell it so good Adam <laughs> Wilde shout out to Adam Wilde he calls these people up so early in the morning and they're always like they're always like did I win the post below ticket <laughs> that's definitely been one of my quarantine um I should write something about ghosting. Uh, really that is that is such a funny description. I'm gonna watch the show now. What time does it air? Um, they do it in the mornings, but then they also post just the ghosted clips on their on their Instagram. On their Instagram, okay. Yeah. I'm gonna look it up. Ghosted yeah, version. I'll send you some clips. I would love to see them. That 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 sounds so amazing. I love that. It, it really is a, it's an exploration. It, it just really, it just affirms that the only thing I don't, I don't totally love about it. And I even messaged, I'm such a, I'm such a, a stand for ghosted that I even messaged one of the hosts. And I was like, I think that you should uh, do a wild card thing where when you can tell that a girl is being pressured into a second date by a dude that you or anyone really, but I'll just be frank. Most of the time it's these guys phoning these girls up and then they don't want to seem like mean on the radio. So they'll agree to a second date. And I think that there should be a wild card where you can automatically just get offered, you know, a hundred bucks or something. Cause then imagine that if you had to turn down a hundred bucks to re-talk to somebody you already decided to not talk to. Right. Oh my God. That's such a great idea. 
that changes it so much. So, so that's so, okay. So it's usually the guys that are getting ghosted by the women. No, it's every situation you can think of. But what I'm saying is, is I'm always very conscious of like what I'm, uh, like what I'm taking in, especially like in a reality context. Yeah. So what I, the, the only time I feel kind of guilty for enjoying the show is when, uh, guys phone in they want to get a second date with this girl who's already decided they don't want to talk to them and then on the like on the radio I feel like these women are getting pressured into agreeing to a second date yeah totally yeah uh and so that'd be funny like that that they could offer them the wild part of like do you want to go on a second date or do you want to turn down a hundred bucks that's I mean pandemic times people got a hundred bucks to pay like they, they need a hundred bucks. That is so fun. I love that so much. There was one time that I was asked out on the radio, uh, which I didn't realize was an issue until like very recently, like until like a year ago, like it's not, it, you know, it doesn't, you know, bother me, but I was just like, okay, maybe at the time, like, this is a bit weird. There was one time I did this like radio show and I, I can tell you the name after, but I don't want to, you know, call them out or whatever. But this guy was like 28 or 27. And I was like 19 at the time. Like I had like, just like, I was crazy young. And, uh, and I had been on this show before, just like talking about stand up and like, when you're that age and, and I, I just really wanted to be taken seriously. Like I was like, I don't want you guys to think I'm like just this kid, you know, like I, I want to be taken as like an act yeah. like I'm here to talk about comedy. I'm here to promote my shows and like, that's it. And like, they had had me on for that in the past and they were very nice to me, but there was one time that I was on and the co-host asked me out on air and it was like this inside joke and like people were laughing in the room and it was very uncomfortable. And, and I think for, I said no, but I was like, I feel like I said no, because I just was ballsy at that age to say no. But like you said, like, I feel like if you did that to somebody else on air, they would feel pressured into saying yes to going on this weird ass date with this guy who they don't even know. And I don't, I, I don't know. And, and now that I think about it, I'm like, that's kind of, there's a bad call on like their part to, to put me in a, yeah. in a position like that. I mean, like, that's I don't a, know. That's an imbalance of power for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just thought about that recently. And then I heard them kind of talk about it after. And it's just like these guys in the studio and they were just kind of like being bros and like laughing about it. And I was like, I was literally like a child. Like I was nine yeah. years old. Like that's just like, you don't feel and, gross about that. Yeah, that's that. Uh, um, I'm sorry that happened to you. That's that's just it. And you always have to keep your boundaries. So and I, and I feel like women get gaslighted into uh, into to compromising them more. Right. Because then they then they should. Yeah. Um, I, I was just like, I don't want to make a big deal. This is just the one radio show that I get to do. I feel like people like me here, like whatever. But then it was like, if that happens, like that's a total breach of a boundary. Yeah. Like I came here to like talk about comedy, promote shows. And then when you do that, like I know in, in their mind, they were probably thinking like, oh, it's just a joke. Like, of course we take you seriously and want to promote your comedy. It's like, yes. But when you do that afterwards, following it, what is that telling the people that, that are listening to this? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. I yeah. always like, and especially in our industry and especially in Canada, where one thing can follow you around for so long, like 
always anybody listening to this take find that balance between um just knowing what you want and communicating it clearly without being a there's there's a there's a balance between being difficult to work with and don't believe that about yourself and never you know don't listen to anyone any feedback that anybody says because you know yourself no no that's that's not it that's too extreme but know how you want to be represented and take that um and and keep that with you and, and hold that to everything you do yeah and listen you know when you listen to your instinct Versus this is another thing from therapy. This was like the first breakthrough that I had with my most recent therapist where she said to me, it feels as if you're always checking in on all of these things and analyzing all of these things before you decide on how you feel. Mm, Yeah. And I had gotten to that place. I had gotten to that place with COVID with so many things where I was overly cautious and uh analyzing all of these it felt like I was like like a like a plinko machine like that I would think about all of these things and then arrive at a really nice conclusion that sometimes was devoid of my actual feelings Mm. so it was a very scary process to to start listening to how do I feel about things how do I actually feel about them yeah. Then you can take in other factors to maybe change that. But once I started to separate the, my instincts from anxiety and, and incorporate my instincts and not my desires and not like, you know, unclear headed thoughts, but like actual instincts, how I know I feel about something, those decisions became clearer and then the direction became stronger. That's exact. That's yeah, Exactly the direction becomes stronger when you're uh, just working on based on your intuition. Cause that's like, that's the first telltale sign that something is gone wrong or something is going right is your intuition. And that kind of like, in my opinion, outweighs the logical side of things. Um, because I, I think, especially for people in the arts, I think uh, when you're working from a place where you feel deeply um happy or like accepted it it makes you feel inspired and then you're able to like perform better and communicate better and and just everything else falls into place yeah maybe not overnight but it eventually will and I think that that outdoes logic a lot and sometimes I apply that with dating like there are there are times where I go on dates and I'm just like okay there's nothing like logically wrong here like he's a nice guy and like blah 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 but I'm like no your intuition like you're not what do you want? Do you value this? How do you feel when you're actually on this date? Yeah. Like, I think, I think a lot on dates. Yeah. Obviously, like, I, I feel like I talk about, I bring up dating every time on this episode, but also it's just like, this is just what's so relevant to my life right now. Like, I'm just always talking about it. Um, what's um, your COVID dating situation? My COVID dating situation? Well, I'm just on Hinge right now. And I'm like, will I will go on like a walk date with somebody obviously not now because we can't do that but if thank um, you uncle Doug yeah <laughs> yeah like if we're if we're talking for a long time like I will go on a walk date and like see how the communication is but I was like seeing this guy for a while who like um was like nice but I feel like the romantic connection was kind of missing but like he would 
really like he would like ask me to FaceTime and be like hey when do you want to like see each other but like I always felt that he was like emotionally unavailable because I'd be like okay what time do you want to go on a date and he'd be like 1 p.m on a Sunday and I'm like that's not a dating time uh like am I taking you to a dentist appointment I feel like that's not a legit time to see someone are we gonna go do laundry together or something this is wild (laughs) um and then um, I just, uh, yeah, I just stopped seeing him. I just sent him a message being like, Hey, I think you're great, but I think that we're missing a romantic connection. Um, yeah. because I have a tendency to like drag dates out for a long time. And I'm not sure if you also have this problem, but my biggest problem is that I'm just like, I feel like I'm just comfortable with a lot of people and I get comfortable really easily. And then I mistake that as a sign that I like this person. And it's really that I don't, I'm just okay with being in front of people and talking to people. Then I get confused wow. that way. I am really, I have really clear, clear boundaries with men all the time. I have really clear boundaries with men. I have really clear boundaries about, um, about my deal breakers. I have, um, I, I really am. I, I, I had like one time where like somebody said to me that I like ruined a date. Like they, they canceled a date because I was like, this is a date, right? You know, like we're not just hanging out like I'm not in, interested in just I don't need another friend yeah you know is this a I want like we're going on it because I've been in situations like that before um and uh it's not and sometimes you have to reevaluate the boundaries yeah. I uh, I really don't like when people try to check in so much there's like, there's, there seems to be a really like sinister, um, maybe not sinister, but it's like, I'll just say what it is. It's like kind of weak. It's kind of weak and entitled uh-huh. when you are, are not my friend and you keep checking in all the time. Uh, and, but you don't want to put anything else into the, the relationship. You yeah. Know? It seems kind of, uh. Like, I just want to prove that I'm a good person and leave type of thing. Yeah. And I don't, uh, I'm not friends with my exes. It's never worked for me. Yeah. Um, and I'm also a big believer in this and this doesn't work for everybody. And I totally get it. But like when I break up with somebody, uh, it's, I do, it's gone. They're, they're gone because you need that. I'd rather hurt alone. Like, I'm really a big believer in this idea of if you're in a relationship with uh, your relationship extends as long as you're in a relationship with your thoughts to them, too. That is. Oh, my God. Wow. Oh, my God. See, that's I knew this is going to be a good chat. I love that so much because, yes, I agree with that. And there's people who don't agree with that. And I'm like, yeah, that, how do you not, how do you disagree with that? Like what I would not want to be with somebody who is thinking about their ex-girlfriend. Sorry. Yeah. You need to have that space to be totally um, available for somebody else. Um, I have a really wise, wise friend um she has fibromyalgia and so she's in a lot of um pain you know something that could like just hurt us for like a couple hours could hurt her for like a week and um she has this incredible uh like honesty and she always she told me when I'm having a hard time letting go of things 
She said that that's how you have a long, interesting life is moving on from things. You know, the movie doesn't have, the, the, when a, a movie has a bunch of sequels, then it starts to lose its appeal. It's like you want new books, you want new chapters, and the only way for you to have those is, is to just move on from things. Right. And if you're not supposed to, then they come back in a way that um, at, like serves your boundaries. So once you break up with them, you're done. Like you, you, like you cut them off in every way. It's, it's six months, no contact. Six months, no contact. Yeah. Yeah. Six months, no contact. That's good. Um, it, it's weird. I don't love uh, that it's blocked on social media. You'll get blocked on social media. I don't block the number unless you get nuts. Mm. and it's it's that's a weird just arbitrary thing for me but it feels uh it feels there's just like should be a respect there that like don't make me block your number yes yes I'm glad you I'm glad you like agree with me about that it's like you know just respect my space and you can still have the number and, but we're not going to talk, but just don't make me block you, you know? Yeah. There's something, there's something different about that. There's something hugely different about that. 100%. 100%. Also that says so much. Like, and then if you don't have to block their number, uh, it's like, okay, yeah, that, okay, sure. Awesome. Great. Especially idea. when, here's the thing is, especially when you are not, when I, I'm not reciprocating it. Like I'm not, I'm not doing anything to uh, provoke you. I'm not talking to you. I'm because I really do think that for me anyway, this is not the same. This is a very drastic approach. Uh, but I would rather hurt by myself and then get stronger and do what I need to do and you know buy some stuff and you know like like sing some songs or whatever and and get over it that way. Yeah. Then. Um, then I like have been peel the bandaid off slowly. Well, uh, I could not agree more with that. I'm definitely somebody who once similar to you, like once it's done, it's done. And for me, it definitely comes from perhaps a place of too much pride where like, even if I do really want to reach out to this person and be like, I really miss spending time with you. Like, I'm going to be totally honest. Like, I really miss our relationship and blah, blah, blah. It's like, I know that that's not coming from a truthful place. It's just coming from me thinking about the really high highs of this relationship and not the reality of the situation, which is why we broke up in the first place. So uh, I need to just like really, sometimes it can be challenging. I mean, there's people that that I stopped seeing three years ago that I have debated reaching out to because I'm just like, yeah, but was it really that bad? Like you were 20, like people make mistakes, like blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, no, no. It ended for a reason. And, and, and you have to trust your instinct with that. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I really have very little patience for, um, just like for, for my anger. I think it's very weak when, uh, especially in quarantine, people reaching out to people who they didn't talk to before COVID. Okay. That's interesting. So you use the word weak. So why would that, why is that, um, in that category? Um, I think, I think that it was, you know, there's a difference between checking in on people that you care about. Yeah. 
and then there's there's just like this um thing about when uh covid hit and men who were they wanted comfort and they would check in on their exes that they didn't you know they didn't put the that comfort or kindness into the relationship when they when it when you know it's kind of like the concept of a fair weather friend Mm. right it's like now now that that it's rainy you want to you need comfort yeah Right. And I think that's true about like when lockdown gets uh, lifted, are those people still there? Are, do they want to make real plans? You know, do they want like Yeah, 100%. Totally. Uh, and that's so easy to spot. Oh my God. That's so easy to spot. I'm always, uh, when people, if I've ever seen somebody who is legitimate friends with their ex, like a major ex, uh, I've never seen it. Yeah, that's not either. That makes me confused. And I don't know if that's coming from a place of like not being like, I, I don't know. Maybe it's like a maturity thing from, I don't know. But I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I would With the exception of when it's like a co parenting situation, then I, yeah. Right. That's okay. But I'm I've not. I've seen that. I've seen that. And I think that's incredibly envious. And I think that. Um, I actually, I don't think anything about it because it's not a situation I'm in or understand the complexities of, but that's the only time I've seen exes be like, be actual friends and on the same team about something. Um, but most of the time when I see girls who are friends with their exes or whatever, I'm like, he still has you under his thumb in a little bit of a way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I hate spotting that too. It's like, oh, I don't. Yeah, it's like the, that whole like mind game thing. Yeah, no, I get that. And I see that often too. I, I wouldn't want to be in a relationship with somebody. And I feel like even on dates, you can tell like when somebody is like emotionally unavailable. Just I can tell if you are still either thinking about your ex-girlfriend or talking to your ex-girlfriend in a romantic way, just based on how you present yourself on this date. Yeah. Just based on body language alone, I can tell you emotionally exactly where you're at with your ex. Really? Tell, tell me some stories. I, uh, I went on a date with this guy who I was really, really into. And um, he had broken up with him and his girlfriend had broken up like maybe four months before. And uh, I was like, you never know how it ended. I mean, like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like time, if you meet somebody that's right for you, and you meet them two weeks after you broke up, you can end up marrying that person. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, I don't, I don't think that, you know, it's like, oh, it's only been four months. Let's not, because you know, it's like, I'll just see. I get to the date and this guy is just like wearing a hoodie and it was kind of like slunched over. He didn't do the thing where like, you kind of like, you know, you see like you're walking, you kind of like perk up a little bit and like you change your posture a bit. There was none of that. Those are all cues to me that you're like excited to be dating even. You know yeah. what I mean? That not even. Yeah, not, it yeah. exactly. And it, it's just. Whatever so, that looks like for you. Yeah. And like, if you're present. That doesn't necessarily mean paying for everything either. No, no, of course not. Definitely not. Um, but it's like body language wise, if you're kind of slouchy, if you're wearing clothes that are a bit dirty. I think you have access to a washer and dryer. If you're showing up with something with a stain on it, goodbye. Um, <laughs> if, if you're planning dates at weird times, goodbye. 
there's no, and, and I don't engage at all in the like waiting to text. So here's something that's maybe you can relate to, which I feel like you'll be able to relate to. Um, I don't pick up on passive aggressive, like nature of, of thing. Like when you're dating somebody, like, I don't like the games. It's like, you either, you need to be like very direct with me because I'm just, I, I will take everything for face value. If you don't text me, you're not texting me. You don't care. I'm not about the wait, the three hour rule, wait, this rule, do this, do this. It's like, no, it's like you either do or you don't. And if you don't, then I just take it that you just, it's, it's not really going anywhere. Because all of those things are rooted in, in poor mental health. Yeah. Any, any man who really um, watches those videos about the psychological, to use psychological abuse to get a woman that's not rooted in mental health. No, like the negging, that book about like the negging, that wasn't even something. Right. Like, Negging's one of them and like gaslighting and- um, No, 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 I don't like that at all. You um, have to be like really upfront and like honest, like somebody who, uh, yeah, is maybe less in their head about that type of thing. I yeah. get very uncomfortable. Like if I feel like somebody is withholding information from me, I can tell and it makes me uncomfortable. And then your kind of gut instinct goes like, okay, you need to, you need to get out of the situation. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I, I don't think that's a, it's not, it, if it's not rooted in mental health, it's definitely like rooted in some insecurity. Yeah. Um, and also just that if it doesn't like, yeah, I, that's a big one, though. When you can tell there's still, oh, my gosh, there was one episode of Ghosted. That, <laughs> Let's bring oh, it back to Ghosted. Let's bring it back to where it all began. Just, just about the whole, like, not being over your ex thing. Yeah. There was one episode of Ghosted, and, and Ghosted is extra good now because they're talking about video dates. Okay. So the ghostings can manifest, and, like, he went to go shovel the snow and never logged back on the scene. <laughs> Like, but there was one episode of Ghosted where this girl called in and she's like, we had a great date and they call him up and he goes, I mean, my girlfriend knows about that date and everything. And uh, like, we're all good now. So like, I don't know why you're calling me. And he, he had just gone on a little rebound date over Zoom. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. I think yeah. being clear about your intent, clear about, uh, yeah, clarity. And I, and if some people don't have clarity, they don't have even clarity about their own thoughts. Yeah, exactly. Um, I feel like and we have I, really similar. I feel like we have similar uh, like dating approaches, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think we have similar philosophies to like, I, I, this is really crass. And I heard it in a support group one time and it's just very crass, but it is, it is very, very good run your shit or your shit will run you into the ground yeah yeah it's true <laughs> um that's not to say that there isn't some things that you can be like kind of weak for you yeah. know yeah no it's true I, but i think there's a difference in like being aware of them and like not being aware of them yeah knowing what you can tolerate as long as I, like, I will check it. You have to be able to check in with yourself and be like, Hey, okay. You know what? That was actually 
uh, coming from a place of like being really hurt. And that's something that I need to work on and like knowing yeah. that you need to go and work on it. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me one thing I wanted to talk about is another thing we have in common is we both kind of, uh, got music back into our lives. You're taking guitar, right? I am taking guitar lessons. Yes. Nice. Tell me about that. I, uh, I used to play guitar as a kid and then I stopped cause then I started playing sports and then, uh, I just have had guitars sitting around my room and I was like, what a great time to take it back up again. Nice. Yeah. Turn on some Sheryl Crow and see what's going on. What instrument are you playing right now? Um, I, again, it's the same type of thing. I, I sang when I was a kid. Uh, and then, um, like I sang pretty much when I, like all the way up till, uh, 18, I had like a ska band when I was 18 and, um, and I just like really liked singing uh, jazz and and ska and like jamming in bands and stuff. And then um, I didn't really do it. Uh, and I really got focused on my career. And like, I've always been around performance in some way. I had a weird burlesque phase. Actually, Roger Bainbridge said a really nice thing to me when I because I really like this burlesque phase. It was just like, your mid-20s I think everybody has like circus or like some subculture <laughs> they get involved in. some people it's a cult you know they go to BC they plant some trees they wind up you know like like that that kind of uh you're you're a, a, a group of a subculture that you kind of get a really like steeped in uh and uh I remember Bainbridge said to me he was like we didn't need another girl doing burlesque but we definitely need Marty Young writing about comedy um, so I sang, uh, and then in March of 20, uh, 2019, so like a, a year before the pandemic, uh, my friend Colin Campbell, who was like the first person ever played me a punk record, he passed away. Oh, and um, it, he was like one of these people that was like very influential, even though we weren't very close at the time he passed away, he was like really influential to me when we were teenagers and, you know, I don't know, just the first, first person I ever played a punk CD, like that was, that was it. I really looked up to him and I'd always see him around at shows and stuff. And he was just someone like, um, I did, I always thought like, I just know him. Yeah. And so it was really, a, it was really abrupt and he was like a mentor for me. And, um, and so then that Christmas, my friend, Chris Walton asked me to sing, uh, the fairies. So when Colin died, I started revisiting a lot of punk music and a lot of folk punk and a lot of um, things like that. And then my friend Chris Walton asked me to sing uh, at this this Christmas show, and we did the fairy tale in New York, and it was good. And it was like one little thing. And then I um, reconnected with um, this girl named Kate, and uh, she is in this really crazy band called the Accidentals, and I love them so much. And uh, they are like surfy. I call them like the bratty stepchildren of the B-52s. That's what they sound like. Okay, like, I love that. And, um, and then so we've been jamming for, a, after that happened, we just started jamming. And it was really nice, and it was fun. And, um, and that has gotten a bit more serious. And so I've started taking voice lessons. And it just is nice. As, as I said, it's just nice to have a little bit of space um, 
away from once you got over the absolute devastating sadness that you can't be around comedy people every night yeah um it's it's i think it's extremely healthy to explore other things and have some time to do that 100 percent yeah i i totally agree i mean now more than ever it's just a time of like finding things that bring you joy no matter how small they are and um if it's like lighting your favorite incense candle every day at 4 p.m. or whatever it is, just having something happening that that brings you joy and taking up something musical is is great for like being present. It makes you feel so like so present because you have to be. Yeah, you can't yeah. concentrate on anything else. What songs do you like? Like what Cheryl Crow songs do you like? Oh, I love all of her music. I literally love all of her music. Uh, Strong Enough. I used to, I listen, Soak Up the Sun is like the first song that I like ever fully knew as a kid. So if it makes you happy. If it makes you happy. I know how to play that one. Yeah, big fan. I love, I love the guitar. Um, yeah, I just think it's such a wonderful instrument. And um, I definitely am not great at it right now, but you, you just, you know, you get better. Yeah, it's all, isn't it, that's so about anything that I, I think that just setting time aside to do something and make space for it in your life yeah. is a huge part of, um, I think people want to get good at things too fast. They don't understand that it's rare, that it takes work, that it takes, um, that you're, you need, like, I don't like when people... Actually, this is a good PSA. Don't come into my DMs to talk shit about anybody else's comedy articles. Because people come to your DMs to talk shit about other people's comedy articles? Yeah. Wow. Uh, and, um, and it's just like, people need space to be, uh, to learn things. Yeah. You know? Uh, and everybody, some people have different styles of, of things, but I think it's, you need space to learn things. Yeah. So wow. You, yeah. And don't be so drastic about it. Uh, yeah. I love singing and I'm, I'm glad you, you brought up an interesting point though. Where's the line for you between mysticism and somebody attending to their mental health? Oh, uh, like somebody just taking up an instrument because they think it makes them interesting or something? No, what I'm talking about is if when somebody comes to you and says, I'm taking care of my health, I'm microdosing, lighting crystals, and believing the teachings of some thing that is my therapy. Mostly, I'm just talking about like when somebody comes to you and says, I'm doing mushrooms, and, that's, and I'm taking care of my mental health. You know what I mean? That line between. Um, I think everybody is on their own journey towards, you know, getting better mentally. Some people have to take bigger strides than others to find peace, like true, you know, mental peace. I don't know if everybody is capable of like, I mean, what is true mental peace? Like, am I a monk? Absolutely not. But like peace, meaning you can, you know, uh, be okay day to day. You found some sort of a sense of, uh, your mental health is plateaued. It's not so extreme high highs and low lows. It's just yeah. kind of very even state. You're, you're not horrible to be around. You're not commanding a great deal of emotional labor from the people around you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 
yeah, I think everybody's, you know, on their own journey for some people. It takes being a little bit more experimental for other people. It might be a little bit more simple. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I don't want to run the clock too far because I feel like I could keep talking to you for a very long yeah. time, but I feel like we've covered a lot of really amazing topics. How do you feel? Yeah. This has been such a really good um, conversation. I'm so glad that we, that we did this. Yeah, me too. I'm glad you had a great time and literally thank you so much for doing this uh, podcast. I'm sorry to end it kind of like abruptly. Am I being abrupt? Do you want to? No, not at all. This was so, so good. Um, uh, I'm, I I think I'm working on a new profile for CBC um, that'll come out soon. So if you uh, liked a conversation today, uh, feel free to follow me at Young Modern Laughs. And uh, you can put my hashtag Young Modern Last into anything and see all the fun stuff that I get up to. And uh, I, I hope to see you on stage. I just adore your comedy. Uh, I'm glad that you're doing this. And I really, I really hope that, um, you know, if everybody stays the course and they can get those vaccines out there, that we can get back to the art form that we love. I think as soon as Broadway figures out what they're doing, then we'll slowly see the um, emergence of, of a return to the arts. But um, so many artists have been really, really patient and, um, and I, um, I feel for them. And yeah. so do what you need to do to keep your skills sharp and your mind happy because it's where your brain has to live for a long time. Wow. I mean, better was better words could not have been said by me. I think that's that's a lovely place to to wrap it up. Um, Marty, thank you so much for doing this podcast, and yeah, likewise, I, I hope that we spend many more nights together at Comedy Bar, and um, yeah, we can get back to this as as soon as we can. 